Welcome. You're about to hear an inspirational message by David Entry. May your faith increase and your heart be stirred towards God as you listen to this life-transforming message. Press subscribe so you're the first to know when the messages are released. Blessed are your ears for the things they hear. When we talk about the gospel, from the side of God, what is God's, what was God's agenda? What role did God play and how does the gospel play out in the mind of God and in the sight of God? The gospel is not just about Jesus um, loves you or come to church. From the side of God, I said, God the Father, when we, anytime we watch this, this is, I'm about to say something good. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Anytime you hear God, the word God, okay? Anytime you hear the word God, God bless you. This is what it means. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit bless you. Unless it's specified God the Father. If we said God, it means God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. You are talking about the triune God. The word God means God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So Jesus said, God is a spirit. Verse 23 of John chapter 4. I feel like preaching today. Verse 23 of John chapter, chapter 4. He said, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers shall worship ah, the Father in spirit and in for such seeks the Father, uh, for, for, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. All right, the Father. Then the next statement, look at that. God is a spirit. Those who worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, he said, if you are worshiping God, and he said, the Father seeks. This is Jesus speaking. Now, when he said God is a spirit, he had to use the word the Father so as to lead to the word God because when he said the Father, he's talking about the Father and when he says God, he's talking about God who is the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So if you, you can't say you are worshipping the Father without worshipping the Son. You can't say you are worshipping the Spirit without the Son without worshipping the Spirit. If somebody say, I worship God, what we mean is, I worship the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's where other religions tend to have problems. Why must you think God is one like you? If he made you. Why must you think you and your father are the same age? How can you be saying that I've been living for many years I know one day I'll be at the same age with my father. You don't understand what you're talking about. It can never equalize. Because the older you get, the older he gets. The older you get, the older your mom, even your older brother or the older sister. Two years older than you, but you can never catch up with the age. And so, for people, for human beings to think that God must definitely be like us, you're joking. Who he is, Definitely, there's an aspect, watch this, thank you, Holy Spirit. There's an aspect of who God is that must transcend human encapsulation. 
so, so that you can understand how can God be like this here? Yeah, because it's above you now. Your mind can't develop so much that the human mind, the finite to comprehend the infinite. No. It doesn't matter how big your, uh, or how small your house is. You can't travel with your house, can you? Say, I'm traveling, so I'll take my house with me. No, some things cannot just happen. In the same way, a finite mind can never comprehend in totality the infinite. How can you, how can you have a farm in your garden? You want to make, have, start um, apple farm in your, your garden, London garden, uh, small. Uh, <laughs> balcony. It's like a balcony. So you want to rear uh, uh, fowl, pigs, sheep in your backyard? It is too small to contain a farm. I bought a plane and I'll bring it in my car. Ah, it's not a plane. It's too small to contain that big thing. You, our minds are too small to contain the knowledge, total, totality of who God is. However, God said, let us make man. Genesis 1, 26. How? In our image and in our likeness. Let's all read it out from the screen. Let's go. So let us make man in, let us make man in what? Is that all? And what? What? Our likeness. So there is a way man is like God. God. From the onset, God made man like him. So, so that he can relate with us. He can communicate with us. So, there is a common grounds on which we can relate with God and flow with God because God is not entirely different from us, but we are not the same like him. So there is a likeness of God in man so we can relate with him. And so then, when, so when God begins to describe himself and explain himself to us, there is a dimension to which, because of how he has made us, we can grasp it. But it will be preposterous to think that we can now research God and understand. We haven't even been able to understand the sun. Wow. Wow. The sun is too far. The sea. We haven't been able even to understand certain sicknesses. They are still looking for treatment for proper treatment for cancer. And others, we haven't been able to. How much more? There's so much in our universe we haven't been able to even grasp. And yet we think we can grasp the maker. Okay, if there is God, okay, why is not God like this? What do you, how, it depends on your definition of God anyway. If you have a warped definition of God, you define a God you should understand. So Jesus said, God is a spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is a spirit. So if you are worshiping the Father, you worship the Son. So now, when we mention God, we are talking about God the Father. Wait, what, what are we talking about when we, when we mention God? One more time. For the last time. 
So then, when we say from the side of God, we mean, okay, what role does God the Father play in our redemption or in this plan, the full gospel? That from the side of God the Father, from the side of God the Son, from the side of God the Holy Spirit. And from the side of God the Father, we saw from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, that he foreknew us. So before you showed up, God foreknew you. Somebody from, I think, KP2 or Chatham asked a question last Thursday. Uh, I think, yeah, two people are quite similar, but one particular person asked a question on um, God for knowing us. And I said, he has asked a very interesting and very serious question. Because over the years, there have always been a discourse around what is called election or predestination. How many of you have had predestination? And uh, those of you who try to talk to other people from other de Christian denominations and stuff like that, they bring up the issue of predestination. What's predestination? You know a destination? The destination of the bus. And pre means it has been destined that this is how you end. Okay, so when we talk about predestination, it means that there are people who are here who God has already planned that you'll be saved. That's your destination. So when we talk about predestination or the doctrine of election, that means that before you were born, God has chosen that you. First Peter chapter 1, verse 2, again, look at it. There's something there. It says, elected according to the... We have been elected. How? Not based on our works, but based on what? Whose foreknowledge? God. This is talking about God the Father. Okay. It's very obviously God the Father. So, based on God the Father, God the Father knew that you, I'm going to save you. Before you, when you were drinking and messing up and doing drugs and fraud, God knows he's going to save you. Okay, but, but how about the other one who, is not, who didn't get saved? Yeah, God knew you were not going to save him. That's where the human problem, but that's not fair. God is fair to some people more than others. Why? But why didn't your father become the prisoner? Why didn't your father become the abuser? You had a lovely father who was always there, or a lovely mother who was always there. Why is it that your, your mother didn't become the drug, drug addict who gave birth to you with some deformities due to her drugs? Who chooses where you should be born? Who chooses who you? You are walking here telling me you are a British citizen. Some people are swimming to get to Britain and they are struggling. What makes you think that you deserve it? What makes you think you deserve a better life? Did you apply for it? No. That's life. Some people were born with silver spoons in their mouth. And some people took their first, took their first breath in the, in, the, in the belly of a shark. Struggling to breathe. That's life. And, but is that fair? It's called life. It's not fair that birds do eat worms, but they do. They do to survive. Sometimes when you watch this safari, and see the way this lion is eating the oh, it's not fair. The, this highness, you see the way a tiger or a cheetah is running after this deer. They are merciless. You see a whole crocodile who has caught the leg of a reindeer, or a buffalo, and they, they, that's their meal. You don't complain about how you eat chicken. You, 
eating chicken so much, I can see drumsticks coming from your. But it's called life. So what the point I'm making is that God wants to demonstrate who he is and an aspect of the way he, he plans. So before you were born, can you imagine, why, why were you born by a mother who goes to church? I know you haven't thought about all those things because it's my right, it's mine. It's, life is very interesting. And so the point I'm making is, it's something I haven't taught in Caris yet, about the mystery of election and the sovereignty of God. Election. That God, before some people were born, he said, you, I've chosen you, I'll save you. I've chosen you, I'll save you. Can you say, God wants to save me, but I will refuse. Oh, no, 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 no. When God is saving you, you don't have a choice. He just gives you the will. Suddenly you want to. He gives, he deposits something inside you. He will stir that feeling in your heart. Suddenly you want God. Suddenly the pastor was preaching, it feels like he was talking to you. Suddenly you, 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 you don't do church, but you feel like, I, 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 I like this thing. I want this. Where did it come from? No, your friends didn't give it to you. Because you were working with a, a, a friend. She walked away. He walked away, but you didn't walk away. Because why? God said, you are elected. Your friend is not. You are elected. Now receive it. So he gives you, that's why Romans, sorry, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. He said, by grace, for by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourself. Ah, you see, people don't realize that. He said, not of yourselves. What does that mean? You did, it, wasn't, it, was, it didn't start with you. Your salvation never started with you. Oh, maybe I'm making a mistake here. Sorry. How many of you uh, are here whose your conception started with you? When your mother conceived, it started with you. You played a role. Are you sure? As intelligent as you are, you didn't play a role. They didn't seek your permission. You just showed up. It never starts with you. Being born never starts with the one who is born. What do you th- why do you think being born again starts? Who should start with the one who is being born again? So conception, salvation does not start with man. It starts with God. On what premise? Because he foreknew some people and he has elected them according to his foreknowledge. So if you are a Christian, that means that you are meant to be a... Did you hear what I said? Let me go off again and talk about this doctrinal matter, which is very important in, in, in Romans chapter Romans chapter 9, verse 11, 12, 13. This is so heavy. This is a major theological thing I'm teaching you. But I'm happy I'm teaching you guys these, these things. Because you are the great, the, the light of the future. Yeah. For the children not yet being born, let's all say not yet being born. Say it again, please. Say it for the last time. The children, they were people, children, not yet been born. Not only that they have not been born, nor having done any good or evil. So it's like a neutral ground. 
that the, so that the, that the purpose of God according, do you see that word there? Yeah, yeah. Do you see according to election? Does that remind you of First Peter chapter two, verse, chapter one, verse two? Look at First Peter, elected according, 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 election. Now Romans chapter nine, that the purpose of God according to election might stand. So in other words, so we understand how election, God's election works. Not of works, but of him who calls. So the way it the way it works is not based on what you have done, but it's based on the one who called. The way your salvation works is not based on what you did. Some of you wouldn't have ever been saved because of the kind of things you were doing. You know you wouldn't have been saved. The kind of things you were doing. You used to fight your mother, your father. Some of you one day slapped your mother. You slapped your father. And your mother said, hey, I catch you. I catch you. Let me tell you, that case hasn't been revoked. It's still there. So we really need to teach you what to do to suspend the execution of the case. Or what you did, even if she didn't curse you, you brought a curse on your life, which cannot be reversed. You slapped your dad, you are cursed. And that curse, maybe I was drunk, still you are cursed. If you touch electricity and you are drunk, what happens? <laughs> it's a law of life. If you are drunk and you are on the double-decker bus and you jump from the top, you just say, okay, this was a drunk person. No. You cursed your father, you, you slapped your mother, you slapped your father, you are cursed. Pastor, what do I do? That curse cannot be reversed. It's irreversible. It, it's irrevocable. It cannot be suspended. It cannot be revoked, sorry. So what should I do? There's something we can teach you to do to make sure that it does not execute against you. It will wait and wait and wait, and, but it won't get the chance to. Because for a curse to execute, conditions must be right. For a blessing to execute, conditions must be right. These things don't happen arbitrarily. Just randomly. Like Big Bang. Such a crazy idea. Randomly. No, it doesn't happen like that. There must always be a cause. A Proverbs chapter 26, I think verse 2 or so. It says, verse 1 and 2. Like, like, no, yeah, as, as snow in summer and rain have a, okay, no, go, verse two, verse two. Like a fleeting sparrow, like a flying swallow, so a curse without cause shall not stand, shall not lie. So that when there is a curse, something must have caused it. And there are times I can do something and it can affect, it can bring malediction the opposite of malediction is benediction. To beni, bless. Maladic, to curse. Malediction. So it can bring a malady on my children or, or people around me because of what I did. So some of us, it's not what you have done, but what who you, somebody you meant something to has done has brought something on you. That's why none of us know, maybe... This, maybe my, my, my dad did some things very bad. Maybe he wasn't a bad person, but maybe he betrayed his best friend. And his best friend died to a heart, a broken heart. And when he has died, he said, this man and his children will never do well. No, I didn't know. 
and my dad has been forgotten. Do you think that will suspend the case? No. It will begin to execute upon us. And so sometimes you might not even know things that are working against you. That is why it's better and it's good to stay in Christ and have this weapon of honor in your life. Honor is a weapon to deflect certain malice because when you honor, it will be well with you. I'm not getting it. He said, honor your mother and father. Why? So it should be well with you. So if you don't honor, you are not entitled to wellness. Now, if there is a potential curse working against you and you are not also honoring, then the, the, the curse will really have a full day. But if there's a potential curse looming around, I don't know why I'm talking about this. If there's a potential curse looming around your life and you are also engaging in the principle of honor, that means the curse, because when you honor, it will be well with you. Cursing means that it will not be well with you. You sit in the car to catch fire. Wow. <laughs> wow. It's very, curse is a bad thing. Curse is a bad thing. Every time when it's examination, then your mind goes blocked. Wow. Why? It's a bad thing. Somebody decides to go and he's, he's upset. Somebody is upset. He wants to stab somebody. Of all the people in the town, you are the one he came to. You don't know him. He has not done it. You're just walking normally and then you become a cheap victim. No! It's not a normal thing. It's not a normal thing. None of you will be a victim in life. So, he said, Jacob have loved. Let's go back to that text. So that's, oh, I, I like the Bible. I like the word of God. I like the word of God. So that the purpose of God according to election might stand. What? Not, where is the not? I can't find, let me read from there. Not of works, <laughs> but of him that calls, watch this, so that it was, it was said to the woman who was pregnant with the twins. They were twins, that means equal platform. She was, same mother, same father, same conditions, just that they were twins. When the twins were in their womb, before they were born, God said, look at what God said. The younger, so the older shall serve the younger. Normally, according to the law of prim, uh, primal uh, uh, geniture, the older takes the inheritance. Right? The older takes them then, just like the royal family. Yes. Harry cannot be king when William is there. He can't be. Why? Because that's called the law of primal geniture. The senior takes first before. But this one, once they were in the womb, these are twins. Definitely twins. They don't come out together, right? I'm a twin. I hope you're not forgetting that. But I'm the younger one. My older star came first. So twins, they don't all come together. One comes first and then the second. He says that the one who comes first will be the first and the second. <coughs> God said the the older who is supposed to be served by the younger, he said, before they were born, I'm going to swap it. So if it was you, why would you want to come first? And so, the, the, the older, Esau came first. And they, but the problem is, the issue here is, that before they were born, when they had not done good or evil, God has already chosen his own. And he chose it differently from the order that naturally should be. Now, look at the next verse, verse 13. As is, as is written, Jacob, let's all read it out loud. Let's go. Do you know who is speaking? God. 
That's what God told them. God said, the twins have loved one and the other one. I what? Anyone who tells you it's just the hate is too strong a word, that's what the original. God said, I hate this one. He's not born, but I hate him. How can God hate? Go and ask him. <laughs> Some of us have been taught a doctrine of God, a theology of God about God. That is not consistent with the nature of God. Jacob, God said, I hate sin. In fact, there's a place in the Bible, Psalm either 11 verse 5 or 7 verse 5 and 3. It says that he, I, God hates or detests the wicked. He hates the wicked. Huh? God detests the Lord tests uh, the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence, he's so God said, my, and the same thing is in chapter, I think, seven or so. My soul hates. Huh? God said, my soul hates the wicked. And we are going everywhere. Oh, God loves you unconditionally. God loves, Aha! He said that, some people say, no, 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 please don't get it wrong. God doesn't hate sinners. He only hates the sin. But why does he send not sin to hell, but sinners? No, 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 I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand. No, how can you say it? You see, the theology is now kicking in. Because some of us, that's why we behave the way we behave. It doesn't matter what I do. God loves me anyway. God loves me anyway. God loves me. If you are living in sin, Bible said, God hates the wicked. So, okay, pastor, okay, what's the conclusion? What does that mean? God hates me. Ask yourself. See, if you fit in that state. <laughs> so, so should I go around attacking people God hates? No, no, it's not your business. Think about yourself. Any religion that makes you attack people on the behalf of God is not of God. It's the devil who likes attacking people. Oh, but in the, in the Bible, God commanded Moses to heal them. They are operating under law. Under law, making, making preparations for grace to come. When Jesus came, God has come. What's the name of Jesus? Emmanuel, right? What's Emmanuel? So he came. God now came to be amongst us. That's why Jesus never condemned anybody. Even people who were caught in adultery, they were fornicating, they were caught on tape, right? And they came and played the tape for Jesus. Played it. Those who were playing were happy. They said, no, let's watch it. Jesus said, no, no. Stop talking about it. And the woman knew that the law had been caught by the law and ready for the judgment. He just said, I don't condemn you. Why would you condemn me? He said, go and sin no more. God hates the wicked. And God is angry with the wicked. But I thought God is always loving. He's always loving, but he's always angry. It's God who can have the two at the same time. He's always angry. He's always kind. He's always just. He's always good. He's always merciful. He's always correcting. He's always abounding in love. He's always, so whatever God is, he's always like that all the time. Depends on what you are doing. So now he said, Jacob, let me run this thing now because he said, Jacob, I have 
loved, Esau I have hated. How? Why would God do that? They have not done anything. That the purpose of God according to election. Now, let me tell you something. This is what I haven't taught in church yet. Somebody will say, I don't understand it, but how can God hate somebody who hasn't done anything and love another person who has equally also don't done anything? On what grounds? That's why I spoke about your father and your mother, where you were born, the condition of your birth. So, everybody has a certain level of privilege depending. You are always better than somebody. Some of you are complaining you don't have a lot of hair. Thank God, at least there's something you can comb. <laughs> Some of you are complaining about your skin color. You're forgotten about your skin texture. Your problem is your color. Someone has the color you want, but the texture is a problem. Some of us are complaining about your mother, because your mother is not rich. There are people whose mothers are rich, but prostitutes. Some people have a rich mother, but also a lot of step, a half, half, half siblings. Plenty, about 20 of them from one mother. So there's always something. But let's, let's go back to the point. Why would God love Jacob? Can I tell you why? He said it's based on his election. That the purpose of his election must stand. So what did Jacob do for God to love him? What did he do for God to love him? Nothing. God just loved Jacob. But, but, when God begins to show you kindness, that's why I brought your father, your mother, your birth situation and all that. You don't play, you didn't play a role in that lucrative opportunity you had in life. When I say you didn't play a role, like your citizenship, most of us, okay, your parent, your gender, you are a man. You didn't play a role to be a man. You're a woman. Did you play a role to be a woman? No. You were born like this. You didn't play a role. Did you, did you go to Sainsbury's to go and apply to have breasts? It was given to you. So Jacob, watch this. Jacob got the blessing because God said, I want you to have it. How about Esau? But how can God do that? Oh, Esau, even if God had not planned it, Esau's lifestyle, the first thing he started talking about is, what is best right to me? God didn't tell him to, he, his character, his character actually validated God's position. So, anybody who make it to heaven doesn't deserve it. Everybody who goes to hell deserves it. That's what I'm talking about. Hell is deserving. Anyone, as soon as they get to hell, they know, I deserve this. When you get to heaven, you are wondering, but what, what, what could I have done to marry this? What could I have? That's why heaven will be full of worship constantly. God, I'm grateful. God, I'm grateful. God, I'm grateful. God, I'm grateful. Because everyone who suffers punishment from God is deserving. Everyone who receives mercy from God never deserves it. So some people say, some people are vessels of mercy. Yeah. What? This time, this time, Romans chapter 9. 
That's not what I reason. When you read down, 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 down to 22. 22. What if God wanted to show his wrath and make his power known, endures with much long suffering, the vessels of wrath? I feel like preaching. Prepared for destruction. God, this is what I'm about to say. This word prepared here, if you are not careful, you will think it's God who prepared them. No, they prepared themselves for destruction. Because God never sent. Did God tell Judas to betray Jesus? No. But this Judas chose, I'm going to betray him. We prepare ourselves for destruction. So when destruction comes, we deserve it. But look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. It says that, and, 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 and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which what? So you see, those who are vessels of mercy, God prepares them. The vessels of mercy, God prepares them when? For election, for known. So the fact that you are in church praising God and having a good time with God is because God prepared you. So then, by the time you get to heaven, by the time you see the goodness of God, like me, some of you don't know, oh, pastor, man of God, I've always said, God, how come you choose me? I'm wondering what makes me better than this man. Nothing. There's nothing about my life that makes me better than you. So then whoever God chooses to place his favor on should never boast. Never boast. Never boast. That's why it's no good for a man of God to make himself like he's better than anybody. You are not better than anybody. It's just that Grace found you. So, can you imagine some of you are here and God starts preparing you to be here before you were born? So you can be, a, watch this. What does a vessel, what's a vessel useful? Contain. He prepares you as a vessel of mercy. A vessel. Yeah, a vessel. He said, put you on the screen. We, he prepared us before that he will show the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy. Vessels of, we are no instruments, we are vessels to contain. We are vessels of mercy. He prepares us beforehand. So when, it, when we are talking about you are saved, we are talking about the fact that God beforehand chose to save you. And so one day you were walking in elephant and castle or animal and something. <laughs> and then someone saw you said, can I have a word with you? So I don't have time, I don't have time. So no, come. Oh, but, hey, no, but this lady is nice. She looks posh. So you also stood to speak to the lady because you like decent looking ladies. And this lady stopped to speak to this other lady who is very decent. Or the gentleman stood to speak to other lady who, this lady who is decent. And after they spoke to you, you realized they are saying something. And they said, you, know, you have to give your life to Jesus. Oh, yeah, yo, yeah, you know, I, that kind of thing is all right. I have a lot of questions. They always say, I have a lot of questions. <laughs> Then they do that. Have a lot. that you see, once they start doing it, that means the word is beginning to get inside. I want to receive what you are saying, but too many things about them. I, I, you know, I have a lot of cashes, you know. And, but, but wow, God, why, if there's God, why are people suffering? We are talking about you. you, you let's finish with you. Then we can go to the people. 
And then, can you say, can you say the sinner's prayer? What, what's that? So you want to give your life to? Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. Say, Lord Jesus. Yeah, Lord, Lord Jesus. He's on his phone, especially young ladies. Especially those who've had complicated hairstyle. Say, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. And then the friend is standing there. Friends, oh, you saying to me, I'm not saying this. Yeah, because you have you have not been pre- you are preparing yourself for destruction. You have not been prepared for mercy. Is it not interesting that someone met you and your friend didn't listen and you listened? Some of you came together with a friend. You are sitting here when the pastor was preaching. You were quiet, but every now and then your friend said, "Yeah, look at that. He's distracting you." But he doesn't realize that what the pastor is saying. There's something that God is preparing your heart. But then, that's why you never have to follow a friend. Don't follow a friend when God is calling you. Don't base your spiritual decisions on what your friends think. And then somebody preach to you. It's okay, I'm going to check it. All right. It's so Sunday afternoon, 2, 2 p.m. We are where? Eating? Patenting. All right, all right. I'll try and come. And then sometimes if it's a lady, say, oh, you like it. You know, some of these are ladies with their polished nails, and you like it. And you're looking at this lady talking to me about church. I think I might as well go. And then you come, oh, yeah, man. Then the pastor, you come, the pastor is saying, move him from there. <laughs> <laughs> move him from where? I don't like, I want to be at the back and be watching. You're moving me from Why? <laughs> and then the pastor comes to stand and says, everybody on this, get up, move. I don't like that. I don't like that. But the pastor is preaching. And it seems that the preaching is getting to you. And you're wondering, I don't like these things, but the thing is getting to me. And you begin to relax. You feel like this pastor is talking about something I've been thinking about. Then suddenly, something begins to... Next week, you are coming again. Before you could say Jack, you are an usher. Hey! Now you're on the street talking to people. Nah, 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 nah. Something is behind the thing. Because that was never part of your plan. And you have vowed that this thing, you will never do it. Now you are on the street talking to people. And people who know you are confused. You too, you are doing like this. And you are thinking they don't know what they are talking about. They don't know. How did this happen? None of us can boast. From the side of God, our salvation was a programmed event from God. God, watch this, God is the mastermind behind your salvation. God. Not your smartness. You know, before I became born again, I was always in church. A mass ever. You know who a mass ever is? You know, when you go to the Catholic Church or Anglican Church of England, they follow, we follow, we hold the cross. I like the cross. You don't hold it like we hold it like this. And I used to, I used to sometimes, anytime a huge profile personality is visiting our school, I will always, like the bishop is coming, our bishop, I'll be seven. I've always been a church boy, but I would have gone to hell because I didn't know Jesus. I, I just love to do church. And I was always going to church. 
I was always going to church. So there was nothing bad. Now watch this. I'll be very naive to think I am better than you when it comes to the plan of God and the work of God. We all find ourselves in different backgrounds. Your background can expose you to all kinds of things, but it doesn't make someone, so long as the work of God is concerned, better than you. God can pick anybody from anywhere and do something with their lives. But I, I, I was always in church. I was always in church, and yet I never knew Jesus truly. We always go to church. Well, there are people in churches like that, and even there are some people here. The only advantage you have is you get to hear the pure gospel. So it gives you an opportunity, an open window to step in. But the point I'm making is God intentionally planned my salvation. Planned my salvation. One day I was in a fellowship there preaching. I was sitting there. I just felt like, you know what? That's it. That's it. 1990 or something like that. That's it. February. Secondary school. So that's it. I'm going to serve God. It wasn't the, the, the one who was preaching, wasn't saying, he wasn't a pastor, he's a student, fellow. He wasn't saying anything exceptional. But for some reason, as I sat there, I knew I would serve God all the rest of my life now. In the 1990s, 32 years later, I've never looked back. Now, 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 I will be naive to receive clap and think I did it. I couldn't have done it. Neither could you have done it. For you are sitting in church and listening to pastor preaching very long. Even 30 minutes, you hate it. You hated it. You won't do church, let alone go and someone is preaching. You don't like it. But now look at you. You are sitting quietly and decently, wonderfully listening, and you are not sleeping. You are not sleeping. You are engaging because you always sleep when you are listening to preaching. When you are reading your text messages or WhatsApp or you are on Instagram or social media, you never sleep. Reading your Bible, Satan come and blow air behind you on your eyelid. <laughs> you are in church. The pastor is preaching. You are sleeping. You are sleeping. And you are comfortable about it. Ah, Satan is on your case. You should feel uncomfortable when you are driving and you are sleeping, right? Yes. How can you sleep behind the wheels and say, well, I'm tired? No! Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. God presses it on your heart so to save you. How about Esau? He said, the first thing he said, the first thing Esau spoke about is, give me the food. And Jacob said, give me the birthright. And Esau said, what is birthright? Hey! He said, what is, what is this birthright to me? Like a, a young lady say, what is virginity to me? Like a young man say, what is education for me? He said, what is birthright? What gives you the right by birth to reign over others? He said, what is it? And so you move to go and live in America? <laughs> what is birthright? What is birthright? He disdained the birthright. No wonder he never got it. It wasn't because God didn't want him to have it. But his lifestyle, his choices, his preferences, and his priorities in life would definitely disqualify him. So when Jacob doesn't, uh, Esau doesn't have it, he can't say, God, they didn't give it to me. 
He had the chance, but he threw it away. And Jacob said, give it to me. And you know what? He said, give me the food and take the bread right. So you know what he did later? He repented. Bible said that Esau repented when he saw that the father has given the blessing to him. He repented. But he repented because he wanted the birthright. But it was too late. Now watch this. Esau later on wanted the birthright, so he brought food. I know you didn't get what I said. He got food and sold the birthright. Later on, now he was bringing food to his father to get it. It doesn't work like that. The birthright is not secured by food. You don't do it. It is God who gives. It's God who gives. It's God who gives. That's why Jacob cannot say because it's because of his food. Esau thought he could use his food to get it. That's why he disdained it by collecting food and exchanging it. Anytime it's ready, I'm going to get it back. There are some things, once you lost them, you can't get it. You can't do, you see, you sold your car. When you get more money, you go and buy another car. Is it not so? You can buy. But it's not the same with certain things in your life. You sell your education, you stop studying, and you start doing drugs. I feel sorry for you. Now I'm getting closer now. You stop studying and you start doing boys. I don't know what is in this head of this, this girl. This girl. Only nice things. Then all the nice things are on your head, not in your head. Your hairstyle is so nice. But inside, I wish your hairstyle was inside your head. <laughs> and so, you follow a boy and leave uni. You study. He said, what is the education? You leave it to follow boys. I feel sorry for you. But thank God, God will give you another chance now. Yeah. Choices. I've gone off my message. But there's a lot I'm trying to communicate to somebody. You have to take responsibility for the outcome of your life. And you have to give glory to God for the great things he has allowed to happen in your life. God has endowed everybody with an ability. And that is the blessing of the Lord. However, the other thing you are doing, which God said you don't, shouldn't, that will qualify you for his punishment. Anything that qualifies you for the blessing of God, it's an endowment, it's a gift. Anything that qualifies you for the curses or the punishment and the judgment of God is your making. So then that means that if God punishes anybody, they are all, any, everybody God punishes, are all, they are all deserving. Everybody God blesses are not deserving. Because all of us, are the, the way we are by default, we will do things that will bring punishment. But God can now help you and by election give you an ability to do what will bring you the blessing. That's our salvation from the side of God the Father. I've preached too long. You know, I didn't get to preach the actual thing I wanted to preach, but it happens always in KP2 because I'm always covering so many things and getting into so many stuff. Election. 
Somebody asks you, so why are you in church? Because I'm elected. He said, what's the meaning of election? God chose me. He, there was one day there was elections and God gave me his vote to be his son. Why should God do that for you and he didn't do it for any other person? Because that's God. He did it based, not because I'm good, but based on his own foreknowledge. The children having not yet done good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to election, my son, it was said, the, the older shall serve the younger. As it is said, I have Jacob, I have loved, and Esau I have hated. Verse 14. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness in God? Certainly not. God hasn't done anything wrong. God, hasn't, God didn't tell Esau to do what he would do. But God graced Joseph, Jacob, to do what he would do. So that, just, so that he can put his mercy on display. So that those of us who are vessels of mercy, verse 23, that God will show that he might make known the riches of his glory on those of us. Who, so when people look at you, what they see is God is rich in glory because you are an object of mercy. The good news is that there are some of you, people think you, do, you are not deserving. You yourself, the things you have done in your past, you think you are not deserving. But I came to tell you a good news. That none of us is deserving, but we are just mercies. Objects of mercy, vessels of mercy. And this afternoon, God is showing somebody mercy. Don't let your past, don't let your mistakes, don't let the wrong things you have done in your past. People might know it or they might not know it, it doesn't matter. You, God, that's the definition of mercy. Mercy is blind. Mercy does not see your fault. Mercy is blind. It doesn't see your fault. Judgment looks at your fault. Because you can't be a judge if you can't define what is wrong. But mercy doesn't see fault. All mercy sees is, I want to help you. So I'm talking to somebody about your past. Satan is trying to use your past against you. Ignore him. He's a liar. God wants to extend mercy to you in spite of your past, in spite of things you have done. Everybody might have done something one way or the other that can qualify them for judgment. But mercy can always step in. And now, if you turn your back on mercy, God extends his hands of mercy and you slap his hand, then there's nothing he can do again. But there are people here who God is going to extend his hand of mercy to you from today. And your story is changing from today. Say a living amen. God bless you for listening to this message. To hear more from David Entry, follow him on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and visit www.caris.org for videos and upcoming events. Remember, be a doer of the word and not just a hearer.